Welcome to the Community Podcast, brought to you by the Community Paper. Since 1989, the Community Paper has been sharing good news happening in downtown Orlando and College Park. Your hosts for the show are Orlando native and the paper's publisher, Debbie Gunter, and Orlando transplant and managing editor, Tommy Cardinal. So, Debbie, this is our first podcast. I'm super excited about it, too. I'm so pumped to, to bring our paper to people who might not know about it, kind of let them know what we do. Well, we're really hyper-local, which I think is um, one of the things that makes us unique is we stick to a really um, specific footprint in our coverage area, which is downtown Orlando, College Park, and then we do south of downtown and north of downtown also, and we break up our papers into sections geographically. Yeah, so for people who don't know about the community paper, I purchased it in 2010 from Susan Tatour, who started it in 1989, primarily covering College Park, and then we expanded into downtown in 2017. And um, I, I really respected her her stance on keeping the paper completely positive. So we we still follow that and only share good news. Um, so I and I think people are that's why we're so well received by the community because. People, um, they say things like refreshing, breath of fresh air, and they thank us all the time for just kind of bringing good news and, and positive stories because, you know, there's enough bad stuff going on out there. One really cool thing that's happening is in North Downtown, uh, Will's Pub is putting together a benefit album, or actually um, Montgomery Drive, who's a concert booking company uh, that's run by a friend of Will's, uh, decided to put it on and... He is using only local music um, from artists in the Orlando area. And when we wrote about it, there was 50-something. And I just got an update today that they have 118 songs from 118 different artists. That's amazing. And um, so they're working with 118 songs. to. um, They're going to put it on Bandcamp because putting that out on a physical album would be... Yeah, that'd be tough. Yeah, that'd be a little much. I have to give a shout out to this uh, guy who grew up with my son, Chuck McGid. I When I was reading the article, I saw his name listed as one of the musicians. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so th- they don't know, they don't have a set date where they'll release it yet. But when it is out, it'll be on Bandcamp and benefits go to Wills to help it uh, stay in operation. And... Um, they were aiming for the end of February, beginning of March, and I think that's still the timeline that they're going for. I am so amazed at the ingenuity of so many businesses during this time. Hasn't it been cool to see? I love that we've been able to tell a lot of their stories. Yeah. This is a great one. Speaking of raising money, the Orlando Land Trust is getting close to their goal, and they're working on a time crunch, too. So they're... Isn't that incredible? They had to raise $3.2 million to buy... Um, the land at the corner of Rosland and Central where the 7-Eleven sits. Um, these two women, Lynn Long and Eugenia Sefcik, they they have set out on a mission and boy, they're they're pretty close. They um, When we wrote the story in the paper about um, what's happening, they still had to raise $85,000 
And now they are down to 45,000 out of 3.2 million that they have yet to raise. So um, it's been fun to share their story and we hope people will go online and, and check it out and, and maybe make a donation. Every little bit helps, right? We need more green space. Can't argue with that. And there is more green space coming to the west side of I-4 in Creative Village. Uh, they just broke ground uh, last month. It's gonna be a, they're gonna have a big lawn Luminary Green, right? They're going to call it Luminary Green. It's right in the heart of it, next to UCF and Valencia, next to um, the Julian that just opened. I think that's great. That's going to get used a lot. Excuse me. You know, like when you go to other cities and Denver, for example, my daughter lives there and you, you go downtown and there's just green space everywhere and people are laying on blankets, you know, reading at lunchtime, having a picnic. And I think what people don't realize is these green spaces, while, you know, some would argue that it's taking up property that could be developed for, you know, and bringing more businesses to the area, it really brings people down, you know, into the green space areas downtown, for example, and, you know, they're going to have lunch when they're done laying on their blanket and reading their book um, or, you know, visit a shop. So I think it's a great thing for the community. Well, it'll be great for students sitting mm-hmm. out reading and there it looks like it's going to be a great park from the renderings, which we have on our website. Speaking of parks, the, the bicycle beltway is coming along. City Council just granted money to an engineering firm to make plans for connecting Gertrude's Walk to the downtown connector trail. I'm super excited about that. And they are going to connect it to three different parks on the way. So they're going to, they have little segments that go up to Lake Eola Park, Constitution Green, and Heritage Square Park, which will be great for bike riders or walkers. And um, and that's another great example of, you know, ways the city's bringing more people to visit. We I'm I'm a cyclist, and when my friends and I go riding, we'll often you know ride up near Baldwin Park and on the Katie Way Trail, and we always go to lunch after. So again, it's just a great way to not only help people get from point A to point B, but also bringing people you know to visit and go out to lunch and go shopping and. Um, so it's. I think it's just a win-win. Orlando seems to be really dedicated to finishing up this, what they're calling it, they call it the Bicycle Beltway, yeah. which almost encircles the entire downtown. I think it's 8.5 miles. And there, there were some gaps. And in last month's city council, they put $4.6 to fill in the gap from Colonial Overpass to Urban Trail. And the other one's on Division Avenue. And then at this latest one, they did the one that'll be Gertrude's walk to the downtown connector trail. So they're really coming along on the It's nice that the beltway. city's making that a priority. Since we're talking about transportation, the uh, hot topic issue at city council in the last couple months was uh, the scooters, scooter share companies. Mm-hmm. They were operating on a pilot program that was set to expire in January. And with the pandemic, they had to bring them, take them out. And it was a, they weren't getting the data that they wanted, so they um, were voting to extend the pilot program rather than make it permanent or stop it. And they extended it to July 31st on a six to one vote. The big difference, I think, after July 31st is if they do continue it, which I think they might with a six to one vote on extending it, is 
there will probably be less vendors. A big complaint among the public was that the scooters were littering sidewalks and were found in weird places, and mm-hmm. it's the vendors' responsibilities to pick up the scooters and rebalance them. Right. And bring them to where people will use them instead of walk over them on the sidewalk. And I think they're going to be using this next six months as sort of a trial period on finding out which vendors are more responsive to complaints and which are doing better at rebalancing them. Good. What do you think about the scooters? I have used them several times. I think it makes more sense to have a bike, but if you're just walking around downtown and you want to meet someone a mile away, mm-hmm. it's cheaper than an Uber. I have seen them in the middle of sidewalks, though, sitting there, and I think about people who might be in a wheelchair or um, I don't know. So I have mixed emotions, but we'll see. It gets a little rowdy on Orange Avenue at night with those scooters, yeah, too. I so. I'm in bed by then, so I don't get to experience that. Sitting on my balcony watching (laughs) the mayhem. Well, that does it for our first podcast. What do you think, Tommy? Well, it was fun. It reminds me of how I got into journalism in the first place. I was delivering pizzas and had listened to every single one of my CDs that I had and started getting bored of the four songs that they play on the radio. And I started listening to NPR. And it was like during 2016 and 2015, during all the crazy stuff that was happening then. And um, it really got me to uh, appreciate storytelling a lot. And it's sort of what got me to apply for journalism school. And then I graduated from UCF and I never thought I'd actually be on the radio. Look at you now. the podcast land. (laughs) (laughs) The airwaves. So I had a lot of fun. Let's do it again. All right. See you next time. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Community Podcast. Did you like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends and family to do the same. Stay up to date on the latest news from the Community Paper by visiting yourcommunitypaper.com and follow them on social media. The show is produced by Nick Jorgudio. Learn more about starting your own podcast by visiting orlandopodcasting.com.